9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. We're coming to you live from the second lockdown of Montreal. Yay! We're not also live. This was recorded on Monday, and John wasn't there. It was just me and Scott. We talk about dentistry. We talk about iced tea. We talk about Woodstock 99. We talk about 1999 in general. Uh, We talk about the top 500 albums of all time that Rolling Stone brought out. We talk about Prince and Michael Jackson, the rise of the Teenage Ninja Turtles, Doom Patrol, Punisher. We do not talk about Who's Your Caddy because Scott just couldn't do it. Uh, We also talk about a couple movies and put them on the list like Scare Me and Enola Holmes. All this and more on your favorite podcast, the 9 to 5 Entertainment System. And as always, if you enjoy the 9 to 5 Entertainment System, head to patreon.com slash 9 to 5 CC. If you subscribe to any level above $3, $3 or more, you will get access to a garbage time twice a month, which is extra 90s for you, but more garbage. Enjoy the show. Um... So, Scott, you have a shaved head today, mm-hmm. and you're training for the Pan Am Games, which immediately... The Pan Am Pool Party. The Pan Am Pool Party, which immediately made me think of the Atari game, California Games. Ooh, good game. I could play yeah. that surfing game nonstop. Really? That, that was your, your go-to? For me, it was Hacky Sack. <laughs> really? <laughs> just like, like, infinite head bumps and whatever, mm-hmm. and I would just be like, I'm hacking for life. No, no, it was always the skateboard half pipe and the, the surfing game. Skateboard Big was camping. fun, but so was it, yeah, was it was it Atari or NES? Atari, NES, right? NES. NES. <laughs> yeah, the skateboard half pipe game always immediately uh, lost um, points because it was not Skater Die or Skater Die Two. <laughs> so like. <clears throat> what is even the point of playing, especially Skater Die Two? Because Skater Die Two had the, the the standalone halfpipe game, which like killed California Games halfpipe game by like a mile. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, so I never you're you're holding up a thing. There you go, Hacky Sack. Hacky Sack. No, but check it out. There was an Atari version, man. I'm pretty sure. Like I'm very. This is yeah. A plus podcast time is looking up stuff on the internet about games that we barely remember. I really feel like there was. You're looking up the Atari hacky sack. Yeah, no, no. no it's all about the surfing. I wanted. To yeah, see I almost perfect. guarantee you there was an Atari version of California Games because I my memories of California Games feature graphics much 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 worse than what you just showed me for the like NES the, screenshots. There was uh, Winter Games for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, but I don't remember a California version. I'm pretty sure there was. Um, so, listener, you may have noticed that uh, John isn't here. Or you I, may not have noticed. You may not have noticed because it's almost like... Maybe you uh, tuned in just for me. Like like he is here with these super fun... Direct eye contact. No. Trust. Stupid ads on the app. <laughs> oh. This app is the worst. Except for here, you know, John can just chime in with... Stuff like there's a Belgian dude who twice cut through his own taint to get to kidney stones he couldn't pass in the 1700s. That's true fact from John. Thanks, John. <laughs> Good stuff there. And I'm immediately uninstalling this app. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> the narrator's voice app on Android. I was like, oh, I'll just get a thing so I can read and do that fun little John gag. Not only did it just blast an ad without any warning, in the time that I installed it about 20 minutes ago to now, it had multiple pop-up notifications in my notification tray advertising like crap at me. I was like, get out of here. Get out of here, narrator's voice app. You served your purpose for that one joke. <clears throat> um, 
This is why we don't have sponsors, Keith. You keep trashing products left and right. I would never in my if someone was like, "Hey, listen, <laughs> we want to sponsor your uh, on your podcast," mm-hmm. I would be like, "Yes, please." And then they'd be like, "It's an app that will spam people's notification thing." I'd be like, "No, man, like double your offer." <laughs> <laughs> And then, then we'd start talking. Right. Um, but the reason that John was telling us about uh, the glories of anesthesia uh, mm-hmm. was that you, you went in for a dental surgery and then had to get your no, gum sliced in, open with a laser cutter. I went in for a, a cleaning and a filling, and the dentist was like, ooh, this cavity is way below the gum line, so we're just yeah. going to uh, burn your gums away and drill away half your tooth. And yeah, that was my that was my morning. Lots of fun. Was it just like who were you just like, oh just just pop in and then head over to work and then you just had a whole morning situation or Yeah, he was like, You've got three cavities, but we're just gonna do this one today because yeah, I'm gonna get tired. I was like, Yeah, sure. Wow. Sounds good. <laughs> I always forget, um like I went in for my cleaning. I guess cleanings aren't so bad because they're what, like half hour usually. Yeah. Like I remember when I went in for the deep scaling i brought an audiobook <laughs> and it was like i felt like i was like this this is correct i need to just sit here and do nothing for like i think it was in there for two almost three hours and yeah. Uh, and yeah my, exactly my wisdom teeth when i had them pulled i had to go in for surgery because they had to come out of the side of my jaw rather than out like the teeth oh no so the the dental surgeon was like I'm going to give you the waking anesthesia and it's the bomb. And I was like, mm, I don't know, but okay, I trust you. And I set up an eight hour music playlist because I was there for seven and a half hours. And I, <laughs> I know I was there for seven and a half hours because I know that the playlist almost finished, <laughs> but it felt like I was there for five minutes. <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to, I got. I had a promo code for. I might have even talked about this on the podcast at some point a couple of years ago. I was listening to a uh, an audiobook full of uh, what was his name? Uh, R. A. Salvatore Drizdward in short stories, narrated by like an all star narration cast. Though there was like Reid Al Yankovic narrated one, Will Wheaton narrated one. A lot of it's a pretty big blur because of the dentistry. But the one that always sticks out to me was that Ice T read one of them. <laughs> It's just the best. And he's like, Driz Dwarden jumping up onto the ledge. <laughs> just, I was like, yeah, Driz. Driz has never been cooler than like Ice-T reading a short never, story. Never has been. Speaking of Ice-T, uh, he's got an episode devoted to him on Disgraceland. Oh. Which is... I can uh, imagine that, having having finished, caught up with the hip-hop family tree. Like, he's all over the place in all sorts of all sorts of stuff that he should not be messing around with. And while that is a cool episode, did you hear the news about Disgraceland? No. So Disgraceland, starting next year, will not be a free download anymore. It will oh, no. not be available on iTunes or Stitcher. They're moving oh, no. exclusively to Amazon Music. Amazon Music, gross. Yeah. I, I always uh, there's going to be a special dedicated app for Amazon podcasting, kind of like the Spotify ones, I guess, or the yeah. There's a couple uh, Spotify yeah, exclusive ones. The that Athletic. Are, 
Yeah, well, yeah, The Athletic has a couple ex- exclusive podcasts, but then it also has like a few podcasts that are just in one place. Like Puck Soup is technically on The Athletic. Right. right. Land is not going to be. It's going to be Amazon exclusive. Yeah. And I was like, huh, that's weird. I don't know how I, I mean, feel about that. <laughs> as a user, I'm like, bummer. As a podcaster, I'm like, man, you go, guy. <laughs> You get that money. <laughs> yeah, he's he's on iHeartRadio. It's not like he was doing some weird solo thing. Like he was already. Yeah, the one the ones that get me is it going to be free or is it going to be premium? Premium. Okay, because I know that like for instance, Last House on the Left did. Uh, they just moved exclusively to Spotify, but it's still free. Okay, <laughs> it's just going to be ad supported by all the Spotify ads. Right. I mean, except unless you have Spotify Premium. But, but, but yeah, exactly. That's it. So it's not, that wasn't the worst, but at the same time, I also immediately stopped listening to last podcast on the left. <laughs> like, like I was like, I'm sure, I'm sure I almost guarantee that, uh, you're the, the amount of money that they must offer to do those exclusive deals must be like a, a normal human salary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Because the thing is they get to do the podcasts with their ads still, right? Like, yeah. Like you go and listen to last podcast on the left on Spotify. Even if you have Spotify premium, you don't have Spotify ads. They're still doing their ad reads for like murderer in a box or whatever the heck it is. So I'm like, so you're getting all of that, all of that ad revenue. They are making like a hundred thousand dollars a month or some crap on Patreon. And they just got a Spotify contract. I was like, like nuts. So I guess, is it Jake Brennan? Jake Brennan? Jake Brennan is the disgrace line guy. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I'm I'm okay with it because I feel like he's a guy who does the work to put. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like that. That's a top. Like I consider Disgraceland to be probably one of the like best produced free podcasts I listen to. <laughs> like in terms yeah. of just like the, the the sound and the editing and the research like, and uh, yeah, like it's all it all has like the markings of a premium podcast, yeah. but. And he runs it for free. So, I mean, I guess it's not so bad. It, like, I was, what do you, I always see ads for it. There's, there's that like premium podcast service. Like, Trevor Noah has a podcast on it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And like, also, they did, uh, they, the ad that kept popping up for me is they did like an in depth, um, like 10 or 12 episode series into like what went wrong with the Woodstock in the 90s. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm like, and you're talking like a 10 episode series on like what was considered to be like a giant travesty where, and, and a lot of the reviews that I'd read of it, they were just sort of like, you don't think there's 10 episodes about this, but there is. And you're like, when it's done, you're like, there could have been more. <laughs> And like that kind of stuff. I mean, always... it, it's not Fire Festival. It, Woodstock '96 happened, right? And but everyone I mean, showed up. Right? Yes. Like the riots and all that stuff. Like just the the mud hole that turned into the field there. Yeah. Hang on. What was it? Okay. So the yeah, the podcast is. I can't find it. I'm not going to bother looking it up too hard. But yeah, but it, it but it was just it was one of those things where like the podcast had really good reviews, and that's the kind of thing where I'm like it tempts me to buy that premium content because I was like, wait a second, you have a well-reviewed podcast about a music festival from 30 years ago that you're saying like 10 episodes is not like, Oh God, 30 years ago. Uh, (laughs) I watched so much of it on TV. Uh. (laughs) All I remember is the only, like 
the footage, I don't remember, because there was, there was two Woodstock in the 90s, right? Like, wasn't there... 96 and 99. So maybe it's Woodstock 99. That's podcast. the one where they had, like, Limp Bizkit and stuff going on. Ugh. Yeah. And then yeah. they tried to have one a little while ago. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, yes, yeah, the podcast... So, the, the podcast website is called Luminary Podcasts. And the the story of Woodstock 99 is... <laughs> Title. Is it Woodstock '99? It is Woodstock '99, and it's like it's it's break stuff. Colon the story of Woodstock '99. As soon as you said Lebiscuit, I was like, yes, it's the <laughs> <laughs> it is the Woodstock '99 one. Because because '96 had the um, the Green Day concert where they were throwing stuff, chunks of turf at the band, mm-hmm. and then uh, Nine Inch Nails was playing at the end of the night during the thunderstorm, and mm-hmm. all their electronics were soaked in the rain. Yeah. And everyone on stage was like, we kept playing, but we also kind of thought we were going to die. <laughs> At any moment, we were going to hit a pedal and we were going to explode. Because <laughs> there were just puddles of water on the stage and all of their wires and amps and stuff were soaking in it. Yeah, so this is the great, this is the best. In 1999, a music festival took place in upstate New York that became a social experiment. <laughs> there were riots, looting, and numerous assaults, and it was set to the soundtrack of the era's most aggressive rock bands. Incredibly, it was the third iteration of Woodstock, a festival known for peace, love, and hippie idealism. But Woodstock 99 revealed some hard truths behind the myths of the 1960s and the danger that nostalgia can engender. Listen to the entire series here. Yeah, it's like 10 episodes. Also, the first episode's called Just One of Those Days. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to listen to it just to hear a bunch of Limp Bizkit stories. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like Limp Bizkit at the height of their garbage, right? Like, like by all accounts, then when they were, <clears throat> like, they've they've mellowed, apparently, tremendously. Like, mm-hmm. as for just stuff I've heard about them on their kind of reunion tours and stuff, that they're just like, yeah, we're, we're a joke. But Woodstock 99, Limp Bizkit thought they were the best band on the planet. <laughs> oh, man. What was, like I was just reading our old comic strips last week, mm-hmm. and I read through the Metal Fest comic strips, and I was like, yeah. "Those were, those were <laughs> <a> points." <laughs> was like Limp Bizkit. I don't like. Was it probably? I'm trying to think through the music at the time. Probably the biggest guilty pleasure that I like. I remember even because like like 99 early 2000s was. Specific me grade ten, grade eleven. Then uh, uh, Sage Up started in two thousand. Yeah, that's how it worked. Those are the times. And I was like, I remember even at the time, uh, like where you're supposed to kind of have like you're not supposed to realize certain music is shitty and have guilty pleasures because you're a teenager or whatever. But like even as the sixteen year old, Limp Bizkit was a guilty pleasure of mine. I was like, I was into like most like actual punk and stuff, and was like what these guys are doing is not punk but i was like damn if nookie isn't catchy (laughs) like you have to remember that like hard music at the time like guitar bands were kind of shitty around that like goo goo dolls were the biggest rock band of 1999 yeah but what was so weird about limbiscuit and like corn and i guess all of those the weird rap rock stuff is it like it took the like i also like hip-hop like it took the worst of everything and just smashed it in but like it came together to be stuff that was like absolutely not good but had some like real catchy tracks like corn and limb biscuit there's the like there's songs that are catchy and they're they're earworms and they stick with you like 
20 years later, there's, it's not even like a question, but I mean, but at the time, like when I was like 16 year old Keith, I was immediately, as soon as that music got big, I was like, oh, this is the worst version of Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> you know, like it took the, the stuff that Rage was doing and was like, let's make it just shitty and juvenile. <laughs> and that was basically the Limbiscuit slash corn formula. You know, you know, I'm looking at the Grammys for 1999 right now. Do you know uh, what won the Grammy for best rock song in 1999? Uh, Alanis Morissette's "Uninvited." What? Yeah. But what is what song is "Uninvited"? How does "Uninvited" go? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. The best male rock vocal performance was Lenny Kravitz for "Fly Away." Easily, well, uh, like, like, uh, yeah, but that that's a that's a fine track. Sure, but it's like radio rock. Like, can you oh, imagine sure. when Limp Bizkit comes on and starts breaking stuff? You're just like, oh wait, I'm. I'm 17 years old and I would really like this to keep happening. Yeah, exactly. Smash stuff. Like I remember, what is it on, on the, there's, there's an audio intro, like one of those like spoken word things on the album that plays before break stuff. Like it's, it's not part of the track. It's like one of those like one minute clips mm-hmm. and it's Fredder's explaining that he's like, when you're really mad, you got to go out and buy a really expensive pane of glass and just smash it. I'm like, what are you doing? What is this? <laughs> What is this message? You go out and buy a pane of glass, a really expensive pane of glass. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is your this is your gangster like intro to the song. It's you go to like a window maker. <laughs> You're like, I would like to order one pane of glass so that I might smash it. Uh, um, wonderful. And that line that song, the the line that like cracked me up in high school was, you know I pack a chainsaw. And just the the notion of like Fred Durst like sauntering into some sort of a street altercation and just pulling a chainsaw out of his stupid fat pants. And everyone being like, What is happening here? What's he gonna do with that chainsaw? I don't What's know, man. Time, man. He's gonna skin your ass raw. <laughs> He's gonna skin your ass raw. <laughs> But could you imagine you're in like some sort of a real street fight and a guy just pulls a chainsaw out? You're like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, that's what, like, that's why Fred Durst was, and like Limbisky was like a guilty pleasure. Like, I, I just, I thought it was hilarious. Like, and, and just, I, like I said, the absolute worst version of Rage Against the Machine was okay. Limbisky. <laughs> like, but not the worst that was happening in rock music in 1999. Probably That's not. The point that I'm making. <laughs> did Limp Bizkit, what did Limp Bizkit must have won a Grammy or something in metal or whatever? Or uh, did not, they not pave the way for Macklemore eventually winning? <laughs> I mean, Will Smith won the the rap album that year, so that was for getting jiggy with it. Is that Big Willie style? Oh God! And he won over Busta Rhymes and Lauren Hill and Jay Z and Wyclef. An outcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. The, the other songs that were nominated underneath Getting Jiggy With It was Dangerous by Busta Rhymes, Lost Ones by Lauren Hill, Hard Knock Life by Jay-Z, Gone Till November by Wyclef, uh, Money Ain't a Thing by Jermaine Dupree and Jay-Z, Rosa Parks by Outcast. <laughs> <laughs> and the Grammy goes to... Getting jiggy with it. Everything is fine. <laughs> I feel like that's why Woodstock 99 was, was insane. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. If the music industry just told you that was the best rap song, 
Why wouldn't you go to a big music festival and riot? Jesus, that's like, like you're, you you took out like Wycliffe, Lauren Hill, Jay Z, and Outkast, like, 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 like just like a short list of like basically the most important like R and B hip hop figureheads in the last thirty years. It's like freaking education of Lauren Hill was just named one of the top ten greatest albums of all time by Rolling Stone. <laughs> Uh, where's where's Big Willie's time? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that rank as one of the best albums ever? See, without riots, there's no change. <laughs> we fixed it. Oh man, what was the? There was something else like that. Oh crap! There was the the Macklemore one. I mean, there's a million, right? Like, there's like the there's like metal. Metal was a always a ridiculous joke. Yeah. Um, it's, um... What is it? It's like some it's something crap. It's like Bon Jovi beats Metallica or something like that. Like it's uh I think no, it's one. It's the, the guys that do thick as a brick beat Metallica. What, what's that? Oh. What's that? Man? Wait, why did I just blank? They also do Aqualung and Jethro Tull. Yeah. There we go. Beating Metallica's black album for best metal album of the year. Yeah, I mean, thick as thick as a brick is pretty great though. If we're being, yeah, it wasn't thick as a brick. It was some other album that they put. Uh, what, uh, what was I? What was I thinking of the other day? It was something about all of these names were swinging around. We, I guess we the, we haven't really talked about this on the podcast because it happened. Uh, Rolling Stones top five hundred uh, albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, I think just stirs stirs the pot of controversy in terms of my favorite album isn't there and whatever else. I guess electronic music, but I will say that. Uh, I look. I spent a, a long time looking at the list of um, the contributors. I don't know if you looked at that at all, but like the, yeah, the, the, uh... the people who actually voted on it. And I was like, okay. I was like, I had less problems with the list when I saw the people who voted on it. Yeah, <laughs> like, <for sure. laughs> like I was like, it was a huge list. Yeah, it wasn't just like ten guys got together. There was like. It was like something like 300 people and like, oh yeah, that was, and this is what brought me together. Like Outcast was like just one of the people who voted on the list. Then Outcast did a lot better on this list, I feel, than the one from 2003. <laughs> <laughs> they had multiple albums on that list. I mean, yeah, but they also should have. Yeah. I, and I think that that's also one of the things why maybe they, every 17 years is probably a weird time to do it, but maybe they... Maybe they took a look at the the voting catalog of the first list, and it was Rolling Stone list so white, and we're like, let's maybe redo this now in 2020. So that part makes sense. But I yeah. think that the ten every like maybe ten or twenty years, kind of doing the update makes sense. Not just for um, like obviously you incorporate new music, but stuff like I feel like Outcast is one of those bands that didn't get their due as much when they were uh, like in the heyday. And now everybody looks back at uh, like what Aquamarine and the Agonia and like, and you're like, holy crap, these albums are amazing. Yeah. You know, like, like they, they came out and you're like, oh, this is like fun party hip hop albums with some like whatever. And now you're like, oh, this is paving the way for like singing and like back and forth raps and like everything is all over the place. Like I don't like, I, even as a fan, I didn't realize how amazing Outkast was until like, 2010 even having like had listened to them in the two early 2000s and then you're just like each and every album is like 
freaking amazing. The, 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 the double album there where there was like the Andre album and the Big Boy album. Speaker Box and The Love Below. Yeah. That's a good record. That's it a, is it's that's great. A record, that's a record that's a little bit like like um, the Smashing Pumpkins double album. Just everyone sort of had it. it yeah. Just, oh, hey, yeah, I was on this record. I better go get it. And it was in everyone's car. It, it stood on top of everyone's CD rack because it fit. <laughs> it doesn't fit. Rack. But yeah, but then it's also like 20 plus tracks of like very good music. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Non, non-stop. Yeah. Yeah. That was when I saw that Rolling Stone list was, was weird and better, but there was some stuff there that we, we talked about nonstop about like how Pet Sounds was ranked above Abbey Road. That'll forever mess with me. I feel that like I wanted, I read through, I looked through the old list a little bit and the old list had uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band as the number one album of all time, right? And the thing is, is that I feel that like to do it justice, you kind of need to read the rationale behind all of them probably. Cause I would, cause I was like just reading the the blurb on the 2003 list from Sgt. Pepper, right? I was like, Sgt. Pepper is not even the best Beatles album like <laughs> in my mind. But then, oh, when, but then when they were like explaining it, that they were like, it came out and be like kicked off the summer of love, which then had, was like one of the most important like times in America and whatever else. And then became like the soundtrack of 69 and all that. I was like, Oh, and that, and they're like, in that light, maybe it is the most important Beatles album. Yeah, but here's here's that argument. The argument for Pet Sounds being so widely regarded is because of the effect it had on the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if it wasn't for Pet Sounds, the Beatles wouldn't have put out all those albums that are so much better than Pet Sounds. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But, that, but but you know but that's what I'm saying is like it, you have like this like struggle of like what best means you know like because it's not just like highest selling right it's like you're like is I mean like Pat was having that argument about Pet Sounds where it's like the reason Pet Sounds is so highly regarded is to your point like the studio work that happened in it and like the production that went on in it and stuff like you're like yeah so does it influence the Beatles yeah well if it's the thing that influenced the Beatles then maybe it outranks them like. That's like saying McDonald's is the best restaurant in the world because it's influenced so many other fast food joints. Doesn't mean that the end product goes on top. Yeah, I I get it. But I mean, but I I look at all the people who voted and it's like, if you were a lot of people who kind of like respect that production value, they can say you don't get. I feel like, no, I, I get it. I just feel like that the story of Pet Sounds being so good blinds people to the music that's actually put on that record, <laughs> which is fine. It's fine. It's good surf rock, but it's still just surf rock. Like, mm. I, I mean, like I said, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be higher on my list. <laughs> like, I mean, it would. There, there's like, there's, there's no way Beach Boys ever beat the Beatles. Period. Like, it, it just and I, mean, for- I can see Pet Sounds going ahead of like, it's the Beatles or Help or you sure. know. Oh, but I would just say, like, but in the like, in the best, best versus, be, like, best versus best, like, uh, all star game of 60s rock bands, like, yeah. you don't, you don't have a fight. And a big part of, for me about that is, is legacy, you know, where I was like, the, the songs of Pet Sounds are now played 
for free at street festivals by a band that has a members of the beach boys in it, <laughs> you know, like, and they're like, a, a like they were dude, the beach boys played a live, a free live outdoor concert as part of just for last festival. Right. Like not that they played the jazz fest or whatever else, but they were like the festival that they booked to play outside was just for laughs. There was, um, I was watching, who is it? It was Michael Ian Black and Nick Thune, I think, did this weird like duo comedy thing at Just for Laughs. And they were talking about hearing the Beach Boys, uh, like listening to the Beach Boys from their hotel room at the at the Hyatt downtown. And they were just sort of like, and we were listening to, and they're like, they stopped and paused and they were like, the Beach Boys? I think it was the Beach Boys. They were like, no, no, but they were like, that's how they announced themselves. They were like, hey, Montreal, we're the Beach Boys? and you're like and that's the legacy in like 2020 of the beach mike love yeah songs like yeah exactly that's that's it so i'm like just on the on that basis of how badly they sort of like fizzled out and then like kept going without brian wilson songwriting and then just like they're like anyway here's kokomo or whatever the fuck they're doing And you're like, versus like the Beatles, like putting a stamp on it. And then obviously like a a tragedy making them have never even had the opportunity to get back together. But like people were like, oh, there was almost only almost a reunion that happened. Like if you listen, there's an interview with like Lennon uh, that was out where he was like, he's like, we're not opposed to it. We just don't think we could live up to the hype. Yeah. He's like, he's like, we would get together and play like he's like a lot of the beefs had squashed right like by by that time it was like almost a decade later in between like breakup and uh his assassination but it was like yeah it was like this late 70s interview he's like he's like we're not where like the the reasons why we broke up are no longer are no longer keeping us apart but he's like how do you live up to the expectations of putting together like a 1980s beetle stadium tour you know, like he's like, people are going to be expecting, like, I forget his quote is like, people are going to be expecting like Jesus Christ himself to come out on stage. <laughs> and he's like, and we're just four dudes, you know, like. I think the, the, the difference in talent is obvious by the fact of what they all did after. Yeah. Lennon's career, McCartney and Wings, George Harrison's career, mm-hmm. like any single one of them outdid everything that Mike Love or Brian Wilson did Mm -hmm. after that, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I just thought, what was it? Like, uh, yeah, there there was, like, Wings is just, like, part of it. But uh, I I always just think back to when... when was it like mid mid two thousands or whatever, where Paul McCartney just like came out at some award show, or whatever, and then just like jammed two or three songs with the Foo Fighters, and it was the coolest. <laughs> you know, I was like, that reaction Hall doesn't. Hall. Hmm? Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, maybe, but I, either way, and everybody just like lost their mind. Like nobody, nobody in the Beach Boys could come out and jam with Foo Fighters, and everybody. Oh yeah, because they. They played, it was, the, and they, there was the Foo Fighters and when, and Paul McCartney came out for when they played Nirvana tracks. So it was like, yeah. And you're like, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, like. Man, uh, doubling back to 
people showing up on stage. Did you listen to the Prince episode of Disgraceland? No, I'm I'm super behind on Disgraceland. We've gotten like we didn't listen to that many podcasts this summer for some reason. One of the little anecdotes of Disgraceland on that episode is that Prince goes to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where they induct George Harrison. Right. And they play When My Guitar Gently Weeps mm-hmm. on stage. And it's um it's like the guys from the Traveling Wilburys who are there and Tom yeah. Petty, like Tom Petty and uh um George Harrison's son is there. It's like a real all-star cast. And Prince is there, but he's just kind of playing outside of the lights, way on stage left. Mm-hmm. And then the guitar solo starts, and the guy they have on stage, who is one of the uh, yellow session guitarists, comes right. out and does like a, a note for note perfect George Harrison guitar solo. It's amazing. Yeah. Great yeah. guitar solo. And then Prince comes out and is just like, Thanks, everybody. I'm Prince. I'm going to eat your lunch now. That's, that's my <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> And, you know, he tells the story of it. And I'm like, okay, pause, open YouTube, find the video, watch the video. I'm like, oh, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> Prince took his shoes and his sandwich. <laughs> Dude, it's... Danny Harrison is there and he watches Prince and he's just like, what is happening? Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I, I was, I read this whole article, like, the, recently, just about, uh, like, the Prince versus michael jackson like feud and and it's so ridiculous because i was like it must have just been infuriating to prince (laughs) you know what i mean like you're just like it's you're you're so much more than michael jackson but like but you're never going to be as big as michael jackson by like any stretch (laughs) oh it was it was for bad Michael wanted to work with Prince on bad. Yeah. Then and he was like, like, so who's going to be the, the winner in this? You? No. Then I won't do it. Me? Then why would you even ask me? <laughs> to, like, no, this is stupid. I'm not going to be in bad. There's that weird, there's the weirdest clip of all time of the, is it the James, it's James Brown concert where like James Brown calls uh michael jackson up on stage and then it's james brown and michael jackson then calls prince up on stage (laughs) like and then prince like rides through the crowd on the back of his like bodyguard because he's tiny like there's like weird sketchy footage of it it's the the saddest thing in the world is that not better footage of this like exists and then apparently like while they're going on they were trash talking each other like as it happened and like Prince wasn't happy with his performance or whatever. And then if you read all of the weird, like backstage stuff, apparently Prince like tried to run over Michael Jackson later in like the parking lot. <laughs> 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 like you're just like, what is even happening? And then I was like, but then when I read that story too, they were like, oh, and then Prince's car tried to run over, like, like apparently like took a swing at like Michael Jackson. But then I was like, that's crazy though, because I'm like, Prince, I'm sure at this phase is not driving himself. So Prince is just in the backseat. Just telling his chauffeur, yo, hit Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Which is even crazier. It'll be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) So Archer um, and I watched through almost all of season two. We watched through all of season two of Rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is now on Netflix. And if you haven't seen it, it's excellent. It's very different, very off the wall but so sharply written that it's outstanding. And in the middle of one of the episodes, they play a basketball game against some um, mutants from the hidden city. Okay. 
and the mutants are kind of trash talking them all the way through it. And then Donnie scores the last basket. And as he drops to the ground, he goes, game, blouses. And I start laughing hysterically. (laughs) There's no reason that in 2019, that joke should be in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. (laughs) I'm trying to explain to my son why it's so funny. I feel, I feel though that that sketch has like permeated its way onto like street ball courts everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Writers of the show didn't even know what it's from. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I know, like you can go to like neighborhood, like pick up basketball games. And if you like, like win with a slam dunk game blouses. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Uh, that is a TV show. That is a complete recommendation for me. The rise of the teenage mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. It's a little bit wacky. Uh, it creates a super solid, universe of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It hits all the, the right notes that makes a show TMNT, but twisted enough so it doesn't feel like a rerun. Interesting. Interesting. It's cool. I it, check it it. Some weird changes to um, Splinter and Shredder that are cool. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. We've been our... Uh, excuse me. Our kid, kid show thing is we're still... About halfway through season two of Gravity Falls at this point. You gotta finish that. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Like we watch we watch an episode or two. Like we <clears throat> we watch kids shows on Saturday mornings. That's like Gravity Falls is superior. And then yeah. you gotta watch Voltron and Shira. I don't know about all that. They're both very excellent. Well, yeah, we'll see. Like I said, we did we did like so far the kids shows we we ran through. We did all of the all the new DuckTales. Yeah, like, which is super good, and just that 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 also has like references up like all, all over the place. That you're like, I, I can't draw any of them to mind right now, but it's just like, but are any of them from Charlie Murphy though? <laughs> hmm. Murphy jokes. That's, That's what got me. Difficult to say. Yeah. So Scott, I was um, I was thinking about you. Oh, last last night. <laughs> We need to pause the recording and just take this off the air. No, I was I was lying in bed and thinking about you <laughs> because I was. Uh, I'm still reading Doom Patrol. Okay, I'm like three years into it, maybe more. I think I'm somewhere in the late 1991, which means I guess 30 issues in. All right, must, must be approximately. I don't know. I'm almost done volume two, and each volume is 400 pages because I'm reading like the omnibus right. collection. So it's a lot of Doom Patrol. And at certain points, I can understand your frustration because it's complete insanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, none of it makes sense. Like, there's like a six issue arc about like a weird advanced species that is having like a theoretical war. Theoretical war. Theoretical war. And the reason that it happened is because, like, when the great, like, fates and muses of planet Earth, like, arrived, one of them, like, got lost and crashed into this other planet. So there's no creativity on this planet. So it's just, like, an unending war due to the absence of creativity. It's so crazy. But then, then stuff, something that, like, like, um, and then. They introduced uh, Flex Mentalo, 
who's still around as a character, who is a, a, a muscle-based psychic. Yep. Who just flexes real hard, and then like his psychic powers emanate from his flexing. As they do. He's a very famous character because of the lawsuits around him. Oh, do tell. He's basically, um, what's his name? Uh, George Atlas. Right. The old Atlas commercials. Who is still alive. <laughs> uh, wait, that's me. You can't just draw me. And it, and it is, it was, I didn't know that, but like I knew of the type. Right, like and like he has like his like his hero's halo. Like when he flexes, like just like inspiring words appear behind him. <laughs> Are you tired of bullies on the beach kicking sand in your face like that famous comic? Ad. Yeah, which they redo. They redo that comic for Flex yeah. Power, like that's, in that's, the old style too. Like, but that's that's an actual ad based on an actual that was created by an actual human <laughs> who, who sold workout equipment. <laughs> He was like, that's my ad. You can't just make me a comic book character now. That's not how that works. Uh, and there's uh, Danny the Street, <laughs> the, the the sentient cross-dressing street, who's now, I think, in modern times, an ambulance. Like, I, I was looking up Doom, like, Doom Patrol stuff, and they were like, current members, Danny the Ambulance. <laughs> I was like... But the one, the what made me think about you in particular, and if if there's one issue of Doom Patrol that could stand on on its own in a vacuum, is he just does an entire thing of just taking clear pot shots at who is running Punisher in the early nineties? Was like, it's who it's writing it. Yeah. Oh God! Like, was it Miller? Did, no, no, no. Miller was still in in England. Mm. Uh, Mark Miller, Frank Miller, obviously. No, it was like, God. Whoever it was, it was just like, it was just a shot, like a hard shot at Punisher. Like with the, like, you're like, about a guy who just really hates people with beards, but has all of the, like the Punisher, like, like monologues, whatever, like, like where he's just sort of like, I have this weapon and just like going on and on. And he was just sort of like first mistake, talking back to me, second mistake, having a goatee. Jerry Conway, Archie Goodwin, Mike Barron, Mike Barron did a lot of them. Maybe it was Mark Barron, but it was, I was like, this is just such like, it just seemed like such like a hilarious, like, like a petty, but hilarious, just like low blow to devote an entire issue of your monthly to just making fun of early nineties Punisher comics with a guy who can't grow a beard who just does the Punisher shtick, killing people with beards. Yeah. I mean, that's not that far from Punisher in the 90s. Oh, no, it's it's hilarious. Like, dude, th- this one issue uh, is, it it's just like, it's so clear that it's just taking the shots at the crappy Punisher comics that I kind of remember. Like, I was never like a big Punisher guy. And I was like, yeah, this is this is those comics. It, it's so pathetic. And like, and the the character obviously is also like kind of pathetic where he's just sort of like, like he falls down and he's just sort of like, gotta make, like he like runs and like he slips on something and he's like, gotta make it look like I planned it and kind of like slides into a thing. And he's like, don't let them see you cry. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> that, that being said, a Grant Morrison written Punisher comic sounds amazing. <laughs> it would probably be a lot like this. God, I would read the hell out of that. 
Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Not taking shots at the Punisher. Revering the Punisher. Just in a Grant Morrison kind of way. Yeah, the, the, I, I'm not necessarily saying he would take shots at it, but I'm saying like the, the, the Punisher internal monologues would be that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like just... Oh, man. Even to the expense of the action. <laughs> you would just have like an entire... I bet you Grant Morrison could redo the, the Punisher like gun issue and it would be like spellbinding. <laughs> <laughs> it's an entire issue of just pictures of Punisher's guns because Grant Morrison wrote it. You're like, this issue is amazing. Not issue, man. That was a series. Uh, what? <laughs> it's three issues long. I only have one of them. Jesus. What a stupid story. Oh, yeah. What was the year on that? Like, Oof, I'm not. I don't have it handy anymore. But it had to be like cash grab, like alternate cover variant issues, whatever. Like, do you know? At one point, there was three Punisher series running concurrently, right? Like Punisher, Punisher War Journal, and Punisher War Zone were all coming out at the same time. That, that's like more than Batman was coming out at that time. That's a lot of Punisher. That's... One might say too much Punisher. God. Like, I, you could argue that Punisher barely even, like, deserves his own monthly. Like, it's just... <clears throat> like, if you're talking about, like, guys who, like, air quote heroes who age very badly, like... <laughs> like, 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 Punisher is, like, king of the murderous incels. <laughs> like... So much so that they had to make a comic book dealing with it there is an issue of, of punisher that's not too old where he deals with cops who are putting punisher stickers on their cars and he's just like uh you know i'm a murderer right like you're not you've promised not to do that you've promised to uphold yeah. the law yeah exactly like you are now running punisher in 2020 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I just imagine just sort of like with Marvel just being like, yeah, we're uh, we're going to take a pass on Punisher. We're just going to, he was around. Now he doesn't do that anymore. Just like blow up his legs or whatever and make him the Oracle. Like make him Marvel's Oracle. Like it's fine. I would, I would love to see him come out. I think that would be outstanding. If he just comes out as a gay man. Yeah. Just be like, <laughs> yes, I was married. That was a long time ago. And have decided to live my life this way now. Because this is what makes me happy. And then he retires. <laughs> it turned out that killing people didn't make me happy. But being true to myself and my sexuality, that's, that's what going to make me hang up the old skull t-shirt. No, he still wears it. Oh. That's the thing that's important. You have to make all the cops run to their cars and frantically try to <laughs> scrape them off their bumpers because they're petrified. The idea of supporting a gay car comic book character. Oh, that's true. You're speaking of, uh, I mean, this is a bad, bad segue. Did you see that article that I sent uh, about the guy in Terrebonne? Like, who punched who opened the bus driver? Uh, if you were, if you, what, was the, what was the thing I said? Or I was just sort of like, if, if you have any faith in humanity left, like, from that, it eroded. A guy who wants to be, is told to put on a mask to ride a bus and then. When he gets off the bus, he opens up the little window, like the protective window shield for the bus driver lady. And he's a 38-year-old man, so like our age, like not just like a punk kid or like rambling old man or whatever. Like like, like neither of the two ages where it wouldn't be acceptable, but it would be like explainable. 
like a dumb teenager or like a old man shaking his fist at clouds. Nope, a 38-year-old dude then punches the female bus driver in the face hard enough to fracture her jaw. And apparently the cops are like, it's an open shut case. There's a million witnesses and I think there's a video. Like, yeah, this guy's tried for assault. What the hell? <laughs> Just, uh, oh God, can you imagine yeah. the defense of that? Yeah, <laughs> who's the, like, that, what reasons I could never get into law is that like someone... Like, not just that I would never defend a guy like that, if you, like if you're a defense attorney, whatever. But then, like, even as a prosecutor, how do you take that defense attorney, like, seriously? You're like, what are you doing right now? Who are you defending? Like, I can't respect you as a colleague, let alone the sanctity of this court, that there's a man, a professional law, law man, who's like, my client had every right to punch this bus driver in the face. I'm going to explain to you why. Ugh. Gross. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> that that's that's one of those cases where I my only I guess um, hope is that if he's the kind of person who would punch a lady in the face over telling him to wear a mask, he's also the kind of person that would defend himself in a court of law. Yeah. <laughs> Just be like, I refuse the right to counsel. <laughs> I'm going in, and I refuse to wear a mask in this court. <laughs> piling contempt charges one on top of the other would be great that i that i would that i would get behind so uh talking about travesties of the human nature i sat down this weekend to watch who's your caddy oh you did it <laughs> and uh in doing so i marissa was about to head off to bed and i was like i'm gonna make you watch the trailer of the thing i'm about to do to myself and, and we watched the trailer together and she was like oof and then I couldn't even be bothered to watch the movie. <laughs> I, was, I was so sad by the trailer. <laughs> but we just talked about it. Big Boy is one of the greatest recording artists. <laughs> I turned the TV off. <laughs> so I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. I'm going to need another another little spans of time to get up and watch it. To be it. fair, we like we assigned it to you like before the height of the second wave. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe correlation and causation needs to take a hard look at this because <laughs> we talked about this and got that that trailer a bunch more hits. And now all of a sudden the president has COVID. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, um, I sat down and I watched a good movie. <laughs> oh, tell me. What did was, you watch? It, uh, was it you or was it Sam? Uh, that watched the horror movie at uh, at Fantasia Fest that was like based on a um, on a fringe show, a fringe production. It was Sam. It was Sam, the journalist one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so this movie kind of took that premise, like it easily could have been a fringe show, but then was amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like it, it's um, so it's called Scare Me. All right. On Shutter, it's uh, written, directed, and starring uh, Josh Rubin. Cool. Ooh, you you might not necessarily know him, but if you like Google his name, you'll be like, "Oh, that guy." Def Jam Records, Beastie Boys. No, that, what? <laughs> Jeff Rubin. No. no, that's yeah. Rick Rubin. Oh. 
but you, what, where you actually recognize me from is uh, he, he was on College Humor a lot. Okay. Like back in the day. Uh, and then the supporting cast is Aya Cash. Is, uh, is he what? Streeter. It's not Streeter. Ugh. It's not Streeter and it's not uh, Amir. Not Amir. Damn What's it. the other one? I don't know. I mostly just watched Prank War. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and then it's a, uh, Aya Cash and Chris Red are the supporting actors in it. Okay. And it's basically a, like a wannabe writer uh, goes on a, uh, like, writer's retreat into the frozen wilderness and then meets Aya Cash, who has rented, like, another cabin nearby, and she's an actual uh, horror author. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like established. Uh, the power goes out, and then they decide to uh, like tell each other scary stories. And uh, Chris Red, the pizza guy, shows up, and then he's around for a little bit too. <laughs> like, it's the, it's also the best because you're just sort of like you have like the, this. You can you can kind of tell as as it's all playing out that you're like I don't know how they're necessarily going to do this with two two characters for like the full like hour and forty runtime. Right. Right. And then, like, the pizza guy shows up or whatever. And then Aya Cash is just sort of like, so anyway, who wants to keep telling scary stories but on cocaine? And you see Chris Red just, like, slowly raises his hand up as the pizza guy. (laughs) So then, like, he's around for, like, about half an hour. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, it's the best. It's, like, and it it does the... the, It it hinges heavily on uh, this Josh Rubin guy being, like amazing at like physicality and like changing his voice and like changing his body and doing that's what I'm saying it's like it could easily have been a like a stage show where there's no special effects at all but like every like every now and then you'll see him like someone will do something and then there'll be a special effect like he's casting a spooky shadow and the shadow will kind of like morph into the werewolf right you know so that's like that's the very peak of the special effects happen like at one point they're just sort of like and glowing eyes in the distance and you see two glowing eyes and whatever and then the characters are just sort of like what are those yellow lights and like oh it must be the dishwasher they're like isn't the power out and then they just move on and like i never like (laughs) never actually like why were there glowing eyes in the corner you know like a lot of stuff like that and then it sort of all spoilers like culminates into one of these characters actually has murderous intentions which it's you can kind of it's it's laid up <laughs> like you you know that that's where it's going i and, mean yeah it's a scary it should go there hmm. yeah the com- comedy is great the the whole the the cocaine thing is like the best because it's one of the like most sort of like it even though obviously they're being super theatrical about like telling their scary story it's one of the most like honest portrayals of cocaine like ever because they're like all three characters aren't quite on the same high like they're at different like they're all clearly on cocaine right (laughs) like they're not just like in sync like like one guy's just sort of like like licking his lips and kind of like sweating (laughs) while he's trying to figure it out and like the other one is just like way too into like all the movement stuff and is just also pouring sweat and then the other one is just like pounding alcohol just like trying to like level things off and you're like am i still high Oh, I'm so I'm still so I'm still so high. Like, and just like, yeah, it's great. I would uh, a plus. It was a good. It was our it was our official October scary movie kickoff film. Because as is 
this is the time of year to watch the horror movies since that's like i think the only um <clears throat> uh spooky activity we're allowed to do All this right. year let's uh, yeah it came out on shutter like, this week too it came out october 1st like because they they got screwed a little bit by covid as everybody else did because they had creep show last year that was like a really big hit right and uh, due to COVID, they could not film season two. So season two is pushed all the way to 2021. So I think they must be hurting. Like, I'm sure October is their big <laughs> their big month of where everybody subscribes for a month. Yeah. Uh, and disconnects. I'm sure they're just, like, chomping at the bit for releases and whatever else. But, and yeah, they landed this fun little indie, uh, indie horror comedy that... Yeah. Works re- works really 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 well. Like I, I was surprised, and it it hinges heavily, like I said, on the main two characters, and then like Chris Red is kind of a a little uh, like adrenaline shot to to carry it forward <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's and it's like it's when I at first when I thought it, I, I thought it was going to be like an anthology, but it's not really an anthology. Like I was expecting like the cutaway, you know, like to the story that they're telling. But no, but it's like it's acted out by them. Like so, you have like four or five different scary stories acted out by the people telling the stories without ever like cutting away to the actual mise-en-scene or whatever. So let's put it on the list then. I dig it. I was like, do I, I want to put it on the list or do I want to wait for John to watch it? I, I mean, we've all been kind of watching different stuff lately. We've been doing that a little, a little too much. That's because John's all just obsessed with people cutting open their taints. Um, <laughs> and, Watching seventies kung fu movies. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of, did you listen to that mixtape? It's dope. I still haven't found a good way to plug it into my ears without having to carry my desktop tower with me. But there's it's MP3s. You could put like you could put an MP3 file on your phone, and the media player on your I phone could play. It. it wasn't. It wasn't working. It wasn't just as simple as that. <laughs> but let's get this this one on the list. So uh, at number one hundred one, which is a little bit on the top side of the, but mostly in the middle. We've got another horror movie there in the tall grass. I would put it above that. I'm looking. Number 87. We have the descent by Neil Marshall. Put it above the scent. Cause it doesn't fall apart at the end. I'm looking, I went up to. Let's look for another horror movie, a quiet place at number 62. Yeah, that, that is its all time peak. Right. And it's also, I would say, better than Star Wars and probably underneath The Hunt for Red October. Right above Slow West. And, and but Jeff I don't know, like Slow West, uh, that, that's... Yeah, no, that's fine. That's a good spot for it. Sounds like it was more fun than Slow West. <laughs> it was. It was It was really, really fun. Like, it's, it's the... like, And there's the... It could have been... I think the only thing that would have maybe boosted it higher would have been if there was a twist that you didn't see coming from a mile away. Like it was right. just like, it, it was like, yep. One of these characters is going to turn out to be a psycho. And then, and I mean, I guess they do like, I'm, I'm not giving it to going to raise it points. Like they do get a little creative with the twist because like, so mild spoilers as the twist unfolds that one of them is really a killer and you see it coming they do kind of play back and forth with is he just telling another story or is he actually gone crazy? Yeah. 
like so there is a little ambiguity there like is he actually joking or has he crossed the line into murder mode or whatever so <clears throat> so that's 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 about as close as it gets to being creative with it but sure i watched anyway. a good movie you watched a good movie as well a brand new film a hot ticket release i watched Enola Holmes on Netflix. Oh, I saw it on people were Instagramming it and they were lolzing at Superman. Like, nah. Here's the thing I realized watching Enola Holmes. Superman's uh, real I, bad. I like Henry Cavill in anything that's not Superman. Did you watch him in Tudors? Did I watch the Tudors? No, I did not watch the Tudors. He's uh he plays Henry's uh like best bro. Who's like he's like super bro. Yeah, Great. no. Henry Cavill is only insufferable as Superman. Everybody what about the Man from Uncle? It, that was great. Did you see that movie? That movie it was, was fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm for so, that. What is Enola Holmes? So, and Enola also Holmes. Uh, Eleven, right? Eleven's in that? Emily Bobby yeah, Brown? She's, she's the star of the, the, the show. Man, you would like it, especially the teen girls heroine kind of thing go on <laughs> makes you like uh all the movies like uh heathers and um what was that other teen one that you really liked edge of 17 edge of 17 yeah so betty to show euphoria angsty teen so, girl drama man anyway so first off it's it's directed by uh harry bradbeer who you might know from directing lots of episodes of fleabag okay um enola holmes is the story of the third of the Holmes siblings after mycroft and sherlock enola mm -hmm. played by millie bobby brown who was in stranger things as 11 mm -hmm. and she is raised alone by their mother who is, um, God damn it, what's her name? Uh, Fight um, Club, Helena Bonham Carter. Okay. Who you can kind of imagine as the mother of Sherlock and Mycroft in yeah. any of their incarnations. Uh, raised in isolation and homeschooled, so given like a weird, bizarre upbringing of literature and nature and uh, martial arts, which she also shared with Sherlock, which kind of explains some of his fighting prowess and a lot of the other incarnations of Sherlock Holmes. I was like yeah. a mom thing. I was like, okay, I can buy that. He was a pugilist. And uh, it is kind of like Deadpool in the way that M Millie Bobby Brown will react directly to the camera to the, the things that are going on around her whether they're like mystery clues or personal eye rollings boys are stupid stuff mm -hmm. and their mom disappears and she writes to her brothers to help her but they instead try to put her in a boarding school because they're like you are just a kid and your manners are terrible and you can never function in today's British society. So she runs away and has to find her mom and solve the mystery that is also presented in front of her 
uh, about a um, murder plot against a marquee. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's light. It's good. It's kind of a spiritual successor to the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock's. Right. They're kind of like fun and goofy and actiony. Um, it has a 123 minute runtime, though. That seems too long. Yeah, it's probably 20 minutes too long. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, it, it could be trimmed down for expediency, but it definitely, at the end of it, you're kind of like, I could, I could watch the next one. I'm ready for that. Well, there's six more of them in the book series. Well, that's no accident then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Enola Holmes writ- mystery is written by Nancy Springer. Um, she removed from Enola Holmes after she did a five-book series called Rowan Hood. Cool. Which I believe is probably also, uh, yeah, it focuses on a young bo- a young girl who dresses as a boy and goes to John to join Robin Hood's men, in part because her father is Robin Hood. <laughs> I can see that very clearly. Yeah, um, five of those, and then she moved on to Enola Holmes. That's fun, though. Like, yeah, 40-year-old dudes are not obviously the target audience, but that's fine, and I didn't feel excluded from... I mean, you got you got Henry Bill there for you, just, you know. He's he's not even a big part of, of it. He's he plays Sherlock, of, right? Like, he plays Sherlock, yeah. Hmm. He does a good Sherlock, but I mean... There are a lot of really good Sherlock's out there, so he doesn't like break any new. <laughs> I think we could almost we could almost do a Mount Rushmore of Sherlock Holmes's. I mean, we could, right? But like, even just modern ones, you got Robert Downey Jr. and Johnny Lee Miller and Benedict Cumberbatch. He's not taking unseating any of them in, yeah. in the movie, but he's not written to either. He's oh, yeah. kind of like Holmes, right? He's he's Sherlock Holmes as a placeholding character because it is in the verse <laughs> yeah like, and and someone needs to be and you can't put like the scene stealing other three of those guys that i just named yeah in that role because it wouldn't it wouldn't work it would be very funny just have robert downey jr playing like flat just, just <laughs> i mean he needs i think he maybe needs like a little boost in his career because he followed up avengers with dr doolittle <laughs> <laughs> and then movies stopped happening. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh no. I took that like two million dollar payday or whatever. I never listened to David Cross. Thought I would thought I'd bounce back <laughs> and just <laughs> grab some. Oh, oh no, yeah, we talked about this last week. Uh I was gonna just Marvel mm-hmm. news reminded me of the WandaVision trailer, but we already talked about it. Um, the, trailer is the bomb the extended trailer looks so zany yep. um i recommend this movie it is a popcorn movie but it is funny and um millie bobby brown getting to play a character with normal human emotions is fine she's going to be the the next um hermione granger character i think emma watson yeah Speaking of Eleven and Stranger Things, um, <clears throat> so they released. It looks it looks so cool, and I don't know. They released it, I think, like two years ago or whatever, and I didn't notice. Um, yeah, two, they released it. Huh? Season it, two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The but did you see the picture and stuff like that? Like just. Oh yeah, I clicked through the whole thing. 
as as a thing to put on your shelf, it looks amazing. It's like the Stranger Things like skinning of the Red Box OG Dungeons and Dragons, the mm. uh, original Dungeons and Dragons box set. Obviously, Including. yeah, with fifth ed rules, and mm. then um, with an adventure written by Mike <laughs> in character. Which I did you flip through the adventure at all? Like. I just looked at the booklet and a couple of the maps. Yeah, like, and, and a lot of people like kind of like slagged it and all that. And I was like, yeah, because it's supposed to be an adventure written by like like a ten year old. And just the one thing that like stood out to me flipping through it is that there is like the like the labyrinth of confusion or whatever, which is like pure nineteen eighties terrible dungeon design where it's like every step forward you roll like a d10 and then like you draw the map out based on random rolls so it's like straight straight into the right this and this and a door and you have to go and get to a certain encounter and then you roll the d6 to find out which encounter you have but you can't repeat them so you have to go through this just like unending mess of drawing a stupid maze that doubles back on itself and the only thing you're waiting for is to roll a three because then you meet the mystic knight and the mystic knight's like here's the way out (laughs) (laughs) so you have to like get to the door to open the door to get a d6 roll and unless you roll a three you just have to have another fight mike why do we have to keep doing this you can make a change no this is the way it's set up yeah you you set it up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I was like stuff like that. I was like, absolutely. Like if I'm if I'm playing D and D in like 2020, I would be like, John, this is the worst, and you're terrible. If I'm playing D and D in 2020, but pretending I'm 10 years old in 1983, I'm like, this is amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, very different expectations. If John put this together to run as a dungeon master, it'd be like, what are you doing? And drawing it out on graph paper so it just keeps looping back on itself and makes this big mess as you're drawing it forwards with each random die roll. All right. Uh, we got way off topic there. I want to put this movie on the list. Uh, where does it rank? Man, uh, I don't know. Pull up the list. And start asking me. I'll, we'll try to hammer it out. I was like Deadpool, but I was like, Deadpool's too high. It's wrong. But like, Deadpool should not be a, a touchstone for... Yeah, but you you said Deadpool, and then I was like, okay, so we look at Deadpool, but then I was like, Deadpool is much too high. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman. Where, where's Wonder Woman on the list? Seventy three. Hmm. I'd say Top Gun at seventy four is the floor. It's better than Top Gun. I could sit down and watch it again now. And you couldn't watch Top Gun again? It's better than Ready Player One. It's not as good as The Ninth Gate. Here we go. See? This is <laughs> you got me right in the right zone. <laughs> it's in the right area. Oh, wait. Hang on. Right, right underneath The Ninth Gate. Right above. Oh, they right scare me, one. apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Same area. Not that I just opened up the list and then looked at the numbers that it was set. Uh, the list is perfect. The list provides. Uh, I think that was the 90s. I think so. You did it, Reddit. Wash your hands, stay home. We're in the red. <laughs> Just do it. Do it. Listen, man, we all know that you pressed stop on your podcast player like. 
30 seconds ago as soon as you heard the outro music and the only reason you're possibly listening to this is because you're like jogging or something and your phone is in your pocket and you can't stop me from talking uh i'll keep this short and sweet uh we put in a lot of work on this website uh if you do want to support us financially we're kind of reworking the whole structure over there but if you do want to support us financially you can head to patreon.com slash nine to five cc um and if you don't want to support us financially maybe you could just tell your friends about the show and if you don't want to support us at all i don't even know how you're possibly listening to this at the end of that episode Bye. 905.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.